0: Welcome to the Restaurant Boiler Room, Episode 15. I'm your host, Rick Ormsby, Managing Director at Unbridled Capital. Today in the Boiler Room, Unbridled's mid-year franchise M&A update. Bessemer Investment Partners buys 73 Taco Bells in Houston. Restaurant sales are up in March, while traffic is still lagging. Impact seen in restaurants when wage hikes occur. And it's Derby Week. Unbridled wins the 1990 Kentucky Derby. The Restaurant Boiler Room is a one-stop shop for multi-million dollar merger and acquisition activity and financial complexities affecting the franchise restaurant industry. We talk money, deals, valuations, and risk, delivered to the front door of franchisees, private equity firms, family offices, large investors, and franchisors on an every other week basis. Feel free to find our content at Unbridled Capital's website at www.unbridledcapital.com. Now let's enter the boiler room. Our first topic is Unbridled's Mid-Year Franchise M&A Update. Franchisee makeup has changed substantially in recent years as consolidation is occurring at an increasingly rapid pace. Many operators no longer recognize many of their fellow franchisees. Most of this reduction in franchisee count has come through recent and accelerating M&A activity, and the M&A activity has intensified for several key reasons. Number one, historically high valuations for business assets and real estate. Number two, a massive increase in family office-backed operators and consolidators. Number three, sales and traffic fluctuations across the brands. Some are up and some are down. Number four, easy and prolonged access to debt financing. Number five, increased capital needs to support remodeling and development. Number six, pressure on profits due to wage concerns and food inflation. And number seven, the aging of many franchise bases. Over the past few years, Unbridled has had the privilege of representing almost 100 franchisees in the sale, acquisition, or financing of their businesses, with total unit count approaching 1,000 restaurants. And during this time, our clients have been achieving increased valuations across many franchise systems. So these valuation increases have been largely buoyed by the introduction of new buyers and family offices into a particular brand. Easy credit and great rates have certainly helped as well, and in some brands, the existing franchise base is looking to expand internally and has been competing for deals when their fellow franchisees look to sell. This has also raised valuations. Now, who knows for sure, but we do expect valuations to remain at historically high levels for the next 12 to 18 months for the following reasons. Number one, buyers for restaurant businesses seem to be everywhere, and demand is certainly outstripping supply. Number two, family office and private equity buyers continue to show a robust appetite for mid-size and larger franchise acquisitions. Number three, large franchisees are diversifying into secondary and tertiary brands at an increasing pace. fourth reason is new franchisees consolidating fragmented brands by, by buying out smaller operators. Five, interest rates have taken a favorable and unexpected turn in the past few months. Number six, consumer confidence in spending remains strong. And seven, overall restaurant sales have been positive for four consecutive quarters. And even though traffic is down, the sales stability helps the industry from an investment perspective. You know, but along the way, I'd make a couple of comments here. These transactions have become much more difficult to complete for the following reasons. You know, you have a heavy and extensive asset purchase agreement negotiations, indemnification provisions and escrow agreements particularly here. Uh, You have financing due diligence and quality of earnings studies have become more prevalent. We see store level inspections and price reductions for deferred maintenance. Franchisor approval and development requirements have been onerous at times. There have been lease assignment difficulties and environmental concerns, and there's been a bit of fluctuation in business and real estate financing during the way. In the recent past, most franchisees would consider an advisor only because they wanted to get the highest price, and at the same time, most advisors didn't have the financial, legal, and tax experience to solve problems and, and frankly, to offer help throughout the various phases of an M and A transaction. However, as the complexity of selling a franchise business has really tripled in the past few years, the need for a world class advisor is much greater than it has ever been, and. Trustworthy options remain limited, and for this reason, Unbridled Capital is very thankful to be best in class at providing Wall Street-level investment banking expertise to the franchise industry in a way that was previously just unavailable to most franchisees. Our second topic is Bessemer Investment Partners buys 73 Taco Bells in Houston. The background here is Jonathan Mays recently reported that Cormex Foods has sold its 73 Taco Bells in the Houston DMA to Bessemer Investment Partners. Bessemer is a New York-based equity firm, and they acquired the locations through a subsidiary, Moss Restaurant Group, or MRG. The original management team will evidently remain as minority uh, owners in the resulting company. Comments here. Taco Bell continues to be the darling in the franchise M&A world. Many legacy Taco Bell franchisees have decided to sell in the past few years. And Taco Bell particularly has evolved to become a brand of large, institutionally backed companies. Groups like Flynn Restaurants, Pacific Bells, KMAC Tacala, Diversified Restaurant Group, and others, now including Moss Restaurant Group, are large, well-capitalized, and growth-oriented groups that are acquiring, developing new units, and adding new brands to their portfolio. Now, the effects on M&A, we've recently sold three Taco Bell companies, and generally speaking, we continue to see Taco Bell multiples at eight times EBITDA or higher. Larger deals garnish the most attention from outside institutional groups. However, smaller Taco Bell businesses sell at high multiples too. Perhaps surprisingly, small towns and rural locations perform well for Taco Bell, and many smaller Taco Bell franchisees operate in these areas. M&A and the brand also continues to be strong. Due to the sizable sales and profit increases shown over the past years, Taco Bell results in recent quarters have also been very strong, and the brand appears to be bucking the national trend of lower traffic. Our third topic is restaurant sales are up in March while traffic is still lagging. The background here is that TDN2K reports that March comp restaurant sales were up 1.15% while traffic slid by negative 1.8%. Ouch. Ouch. Overall, Q1 restaurant comp sales were up 1% flat. The industry has posted four consecutive quarters of positive same-store sales growth for the first time since 2015. Now, my comments, it was just interesting to see some of the details that the strongest sales areas in the country were in the Southwest, Southeast, and Western regions, while the Mountain Plains, California, and Florida performed most poorly. Certainly, in a one-month view, weather plays a pretty big role in impacting these results. Now, the effects on M&A, sales appear to be buoyed by stronger consumer confidence while these pesky declines in traffic continue to be concerning. I think we are sitting on a brewing problem, frankly, with oversaturation of restaurants due to zealous development over the past few years. If you're looking for positivity, keep watching for restaurant comp traffic increases. They're still not happening. So sales are going upward due to increased prices. This is not sustainable forever, as we all know, as the value equation starts to tilt towards grocery stores and meals at home when prices rise too quickly. And restaurant prices are certainly increasing to combat the increasing cost and decreasing availability of labor. Our fourth topic is impact seen in restaurants when wage hikes occur. The background here is Peter Romeo reported an article on recent results from a study that His article says, and I quote, Nearly one out of ten restaurateurs in areas with a recently increased minimum wage have closed in operation since the cost hike, and 71% have attempted to pass along the rise to customers by raising menu pricing, according to new research. The study, based on a survey of 4,000 restaurants and about 112,000 employees, Also found that 43% of establishments in areas where the minimum wage was raised have eliminated positions, and 64% have reduced employees' hours. Roughly 1 in 4, 26%, have turned to technology for relief, and 6% have opened commissaries with the expectation that centralized production will be more efficient labor-wise than preparation at the store level, end quote. Now here are my comments. These results are interesting but not surprising. When wages increase, P&Ls get pressured. Restaurants already struggling could close. Almost all operators will try to raise prices if they can. Most will cut employee hours or try to find a way to reduce benefits to lower costs. The problem here is it is difficult to cut hours and benefits when the unemployment rate is hovering around 3.8% and other nearby retailers are offering higher wages. Finally, I thought it was really interesting to see 26% turn to technology when wage hikes occur. We all expect this to increase as real-time scheduling and certainly automation and robots and everything else become a bigger part of the franchise business in coming years. The effect on M&A, just a brief comment here, since we've covered this topic frequently in the past. From an M&A perspective, be maniacally focused on protecting your EBITDA, or the value of your business will drop. I mean, in general it will drop, but certainly when wage hikes occur. And catching up by raising prices is difficult to do. I've watched it. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes pricing power in your brand. Our final topic is it is Derby Week, and Unbridled wins the 1990 Kentucky Derby. Quick comments here. This episode will become available during Derby Week in our hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. The Kentucky Derby is always held on the first Saturday of May of each year. Our company is named for derby-winning horse Unbridled, who won the 116th Kentucky Derby in 1990. In the fastest two minutes in sports, Unbridled, in post number seven as a 10-to-1 shot, won in stunning fashion after falling badly behind at the start. Unbridled later went on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic and became the last Kentucky Derby winner to sire another Derby winner which was Grindstone in 1996. Unbridled is also the great-grandfather of recent triple crown-winner American Pharaoh, which you all should know. Most experts would say that Unbridled is one of the most influential stud horses in racing history. And for our company's sake, the name has some additional meaning. It means irrepressible, creative, unique, fast-paced, and inexhaustible. We love the name and we think it describes us well. Happy Derby Week to you. Thanks so much for entering the Boiler Room today. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you like these podcasts, please listen, rate, and review. I also encourage you to visit our website at www.unbridledcapital.com for the best franchise M&A and financial resources in the industry. Our website includes podcasts, videos, white papers, and a list of our M&A transactions. Please note that neither Rick Ormsby nor Unbridled Capital LLC give legal, financial, or tax advice. These podcasts represent opinions that have been prepared for informational purposes only. We expressly disclaim any and all liabilities that may be based on such information, errors therein, or omissions therefrom.